Well, hello and welcome to A Fistful of Truth. I am your host, Delara Essengill, and this is my podcast. You can find A Fistful of Truth on Anchor.fm, Spotify, and many more platforms, all listed on the Anchor.fm portal. You can also find A Fistful of Truth and all the latest blog posts on afistfuloftruth.com. Afistfuloftruth.com features the latest podcasts, blog posts, and much more, all in one convenient location. And you can also find all this information on delaraessengill.blog. delaraessengill.blog. Thank you to the 46,644 followers uh, and counting. Please kindly enter your email address to join the other followers just to receive notifications in case, as POTUS is telling us, I believe, if you've heard the last Snackanon Decode Part 3 of the Triple Decode, the lights are probably going to go out and you're probably going to want to stay in touch to real truth and real information. So thank you to everybody who follows the blog and uh, thank you to everybody who shares the blog, shares the podcast. That's the way to donate to A Fistful of Truth is to share it. Uh, you are the only way that I'm able to get this information out beyond censorship is where I'm at. And, uh, we are only able to gain true freedom if all of us are free. And the only way is to, then we shall know the truth and the truth is the only thing that shall set us free. So thank you for copying and pasting this link or to any other episode that you might find useful. There's a lot of great stuff here, folks. There's a whole series of two series by uh, both George Pittman and Mike Fanning relatively uh, surviving the storm and navigating the storm with George Pittman. Please check that out. George spent a long time telling you guys how to survive a storm. Get prepared. We're going to have to be prepared soon. Snack and on and I are going to be talking about it and sending you to listen to George Pittman's wonderful episodes and series called Surviving the Storm. I, I believe George at some point will be back. We'll be talking about more survival stuff. But for now, please check that out. Also, a new series with Dean Washington. Uh, about once a month, we'll be doing a two-way series called The Right to Bear Arms, our Second Amendment. POTUS has been talking about a lot about that as well. And uh, do please kindly check out LA Non-Confidential and also uh, The Next Revolution Will Not Be Televised. It's a seven-part series, LA Non-Confidential, and a three-part series, The Next Revolution Will Not Be Televised, with one of my favorite people on this planet, uh, Sergeant Mike Fanning from the LAPD, who later went on to work as a contractor overseas. You've got to hear these stories, folks, because he's talking about infiltration um, instead of invasion. Where have we heard that before? Infiltration instead of invasion, real uncontrolled narrative from a real live, in my eyes and others' eyes, a real live American hero. God bless you, Michael Fanning. God bless you, George Pittman. And God bless all the other people like John D'Souza, Jimmy Mack, amazing individuals that have appeared on the show. Paul Tashiro, a lot of my friends are in law enforcement because that's where I used to work. And I found myself full circle back in working for God, dealing with all these uh, legalities as well as problems that have occurred in Pedowood is how I found myself here. So God bless you for listening and sharing all of this because ultimately, again, we must know all of these truths and the truth shall indeed set us free. So stay tuned for more programming here on A Fistful of Truth. That will be daily coverage of what's going on and what POTUS is saying. Snackin' On and I will be just be doing a daily series as much as we can. It may not be every single day, but the days we're not doing that, you can expect the regular programming. So check out the program schedule and the podcast description as well as the companies that are willing to work with this very outspoken whistleblower girl. Um, thank you to Soma Vedic 5G protection device. I have one in my home. It's called the Vedic puts a bubble around your home, protects you from 5G frequencies. And basically what it does is it mitigates the effects of the 5G on your cellular level. It helps your body um, not receive the radiation and all the different things that the um, it mitigates the radiation being received by your body. And basically it actually increases your, um, your blood's health. Check out the studies that they have. They show you the erythrocyte sedimentation ratio in your blood. You can actually see how it cleans your body of viruses, cleans your body of all these negative effects that these uh, frequencies bombard your cells with. So get yourself a Soma Vedic folks. I've got one. I've also got mission Faraday bags all over the place, mission darkness. You can get discounts in the podcast description. There's links to all this. I take collagen from OP2 Labs every day. It's a, um, I didn't take it because I signed up with them as an affiliate. I took it and then I called them up and said, this stuff is amazing. 
It's helping me with my GI issues. It also helps hair, skin, and nails. And number two substance in your body is collagen. If you're not drinking enough water, you're not taking collagen. Sorry, there's no such thing as vegan collagen. It's grass-fed collagen. It's developed by Navy SEALs, guys that are patriots. Women and men behind this company are awesome. They are amazing. They're just some of the best people I've ever, ever uh, gotten to work with. I wish these were the people I was working with before the fall of the cabal, but that's what had to happen. We all, we're all finding each other, everything that resonates, including hemp therapies, another great company that has pure grade CBD oil, professional grade. Nobody else can say that professional grade doctors use this stuff. So check it out, folks. Everything's there. You get half off of your first purchase at hemp therapies. And thank you for listening to this intro. I have to tell you guys about the products because they help pay for things like Apple podcasts that is censoring my podcast and um, the fees involved with keeping up the digital stuff that has to keep going every day. Every day we got to keep going. And one day I hope to retire from this and just uh, peace out. But until that, none of us are free until all of us are free. One of the best songs by Solomon Burke. All right. You are listening to A Fistful of Truth. And today is Friday. You heard it here first. One of my favorite anons, Montana Sky. Montana Sky is a wealth of information and she's uh, just an amazing patriot. She will never give up. She will never give in. She will never, ever surrender. And she will never stop researching. This, this girl, I tell you, she blows my mind. I mean, I think I know a lot, not because I have a you know, I think I know a lot. Actually, I don't think I know anything. But when it comes to talking to somebody who, you know, still watches uh, mainstream media, we know more than they do. But when I talk to Montana Sky, it opens up a world of more rabbit holes. And then I can't even do anything for the rest of the day because all I'm doing is thinking about what she's told me. She's going to be back here to talk about a, a subject that, uh, I, you know, I'm not going to announce what you can hear what she's going to talk about on uh, when she gets here. But um, she will be here upcoming up shortly. And um, it has to do with the topic last time we talked about, which was museums or mausoleums. So if you haven't checked that out with Montana Sky on You Heard It Here First on A Fistful of Truth, please do so. There's an article that'll blow your mind. The images you can never unsee once you see them, as we know. And today she's going to be talking about something to do with education. So welcome to You Heard It Here First, Montana Sky. Well, welcome back to You Heard It Here First, featuring Montana Sky. Welcome, Montana Sky. Hi, Delara. How are you? Not a long week, but I'm hanging in there and there's a lot going on. I'm trying to keep up with POTUS. How are you? Uh, I'm trying to keep up with you and Snack keeping up with POTUS. I have to tell you, I listened to part three of your decode several times and I have shared it to my friends who both listen to you and those who haven't heard you before. And it's really, it's really making an impact. It's so interesting. You guys did such an amazing job. Well, thank you very much. And I appreciate your kind words and also that you're sharing it because it is impossible for me to share it. So those of you that are also sharing it, I want to extend my gratitude to everybody who puts out a fistful of truth because, uh, Lately, it's been getting more difficult. The censorship has been really something else. So real quick, before we continue talking here, I want to explain to the audience, if there is a weird interruption during this uh, podcast that Montana and I will be uh, delving into shortly here, uh, if you hear interruptions, I will apologize in advance that I have no control over it, (laughs) but just be aware that we might have to do this in segments. So there you go. That's just my little uh, disclaimer. Okay, well, it's time to get those kids ready for school, right? Yes, it Um, is coming up. It is. And you know what? My daughter uh, is out in California and coming back and she's finishing her last semester at Cornell. And uh, I thought it would be really interesting to talk about universities. I know last time we we got together, we spoke about museums. Yes. Um, And I did see you had some interesting feedback. Somebody wrote in from San Francisco discussing various black cubes all around town. And I think it sparked sparked some interest. People Um, really enjoyed that conversation, by the way. So I want to thank you again. I know I'm I'm get so busy. I want to reach out to you every time somebody reaches out to me and says, oh, my God, 
Montana sky and the museums. And uh, I just want to thank you because I learned a lot from you too during that conversation. And it's been something that I will never be able to unsee. In fact, even Dr. Brian Lemper uh, wrote to me and said, oh my God, after he heard our episode and saw the article. So thank you for that. I'm sure the listeners also agree. Oh, my pleasure. Um, anyway, so I wanted to talk about universities today because, gosh, they're so interesting. And uh, this is relevant to everybody who's got a child or a student in university or going to university or they've been to university themselves. Um, I think that you will all get a um, interesting tidbit today. Um, so my son went to Rensselaer Pub uh, Polytechnic University in Troy, New York, which is a very small but very prestigious university. Uh, specializing only in engineering and related disciplines. Uh, my daughter is finishing up at Cornell. My son is an electrical engineer. My daughter is a mechanical engineer. And Rensselaer is a fascinating school. It's a small school. Uh, I want to say there's about a total of 5,000 students there, um, most of whom are undergrad, they have a big grad program. And Troy is about mm, five to six miles from Albany, New York, which of course is the seat of uh, and capital of New York State, which is of course known for trafficking. So um, my son went to school there and got a five-year scholarship and loved his experience. But one of the things we noticed right away I noticed right away was the unusual school president. The school president is a quote unquote woman, sure, Dr. Shirley Ann Jackson, who was a physicist at MIT and won all kinds of international awards. Uh, she's a doctor. She has, I believe, uh, she's a PhD. Uh, I think 53 um, awards, you know, PhD awards. And she, interestingly enough, makes about $7 million a year. She was the president of the school for about 20 years. And she put the school back on the map and did sort of a retrofit of the school, which of course is wonderful. But one of the things I noticed about her was that she is a regular member and attendee of Davos and Bilderberg conferences. Not only that, but she arranged the agendas uh, from a scientific standpoint. Oh, I forgot to mention that she was, I think, the director of the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I met her. She is about my size. She's about five feet, very small. And as an intuitive, I do not read her as a human being, okay? She also seems to have male pattern baldness, um, which is interesting. And her speech is interesting, but she is the, was the president of the school. So I researched her and it was interesting because she arranged the agenda for the World Economic Forum's um, roundtable of university presidents. And boy, oh boy, is that an interesting list. And the list includes some of our usual suspects. It includes, um, it includes MIT and Harvard and Princeton, and it includes other schools, interesting schools. It includes your alma mater, as a matter of fact, uh, as well as Caltech. Uh, I want to say Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh. I don't actually have the list in front of me, but there are a, a total of about 20 schools. And I thought, wow, that's super interesting. So the presidents of these schools are part of a university roundtable for the World Economic Forum, because you want to know how is all this information disseminated through the universities, which, by the way, all of us either as students or parents are paying vast sums of money to attend, right? Mm -hmm. So I thought, wow, that's really fascinating. And I think also University of Texas is on that list. So we go a step further because as I said, my daughter is going back to Cornell 
And Cornell has a name in that as well. And I was looking at some other material and I noticed that people have said that there's a building at Cornell which looks very similar to the WHO building in Geneva, Switzerland. Very interesting, isn't it? And <laughs> no accident, you know, architects are paid vast sums of money to create new structures. And in fact, you know, you don't necessarily reuse plans. It's not a usual thing, unless it's like one of those big box retailers or something. So going a step further, I investigated who the architect was, pardon the pun, and who the architects were. And it turns out that there is an architect um, who is, his name is Bernard Tsumi, T-S-C-H-U-M-I. And he's like the architect of the World Economic Forum and the WHO. And it's very interesting to see what his buildings have been. Many of them have been for universities. In fact, fun fact, he designed the um, centerpiece of Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, which is this incredible new, uh, I want to say performing arts. Remember, this is an engineering school, performing arts building which is unparalleled. Uh, as, I, as a longtime New York City resident, I used to go to Carnegie and to Lincoln Center and to all those fabulous venues. But this, this uh, building is on that level, not necessarily in terms of grandeur, but in terms of acoustical perfection. And you have to wonder why this building is in Troy, New York, which is I don't want to say the middle of nowhere, but it is, let's just say, a fourth tier city, okay? Albany, that is, not Troy. So I go a step further, and I see that Bernard Chumi also designed buildings for Columbia and um, Carnegie Mellon, and in fact, a whole host of schools, as well as competed in designs for museums. He is also right now building, um, I mean, he's basically doing uh, a lot of buildings for the world elite. And then you sit back and you think, wow, he's, he's redoing right now the Acropolis in Athens. Okay, that's the level that we're dealing with. And he, they have offices in Paris as well as New York. And I, I believe he did the, uh, that weird Pompidou Museum, the new one. I've, I've actually been to the old one and I, I almost got arrested eyesore. there, by the way. <laughs> it's like an eyesore. <laughs> I'm sorry, did that come out wrong? But you, you no. get the idea. So I thought to myself, what's really going on here? Because there's got to be more to this than meets the eye. And what I've decided is if we think about it, what do architects do? They design buildings. Buildings are outside spaces. You, most people think of the facade of the building. Wow, that looks really cool on the outside. Uh, he designed a blue building uh, on uh, East Norfolk Street in the village of New York City. And what they don't remember is, is that the inside spaces are also part and parcel of what the architect designs. Now, this guy seems to focus on performing arts facilities and museums. So what do we know about those? Well, first of all, there's a lot of soundproofing. Um, and, and what a perfect gig for someone that's building satanic buildings is to build inside rooms and spaces with soundproofing that are not really accessible or are accessible only through a tunnel or some special um, way in. So I'm just raising my hand and pointing this out because this is super interesting. Some of these buildings, he seems to have done a couple of them at the University of Cincinnati, uh, at the University of Texas, the Florida FIA, Florida International 
uh, I don't know, Academy or what it is, whatever it is, FIA. And he's also been a professor uh, leading departments of architecture in New York City at Columbia and at Cooper Union. Right now, he's a lecturer at Cornell and down at Princeton. And I thought, wow, isn't that convenient? The other thing about architects is they usually manage or oversee construction projects. So in addition to designing unusual spaces in the interior of buildings, they can also handle a lot of money. What a great way to launder money. Yeah. So this, this can't just be an accident. Uh, it's, it's super interesting that he designed this, this building at Rensselaer, which has very little utility at the school. Okay, my son has been there for five years. They use it for large meetings and gatherings. That's it. It's no performing arts school there, uh, or very, it's a very small one. It's completely underutilized and it almost put the, pushed the school into bankruptcy. So that's what I have for you today. I thought you would find that and your audience would find that super interesting because these spaces not only contain other spaces which can be used for satanic ritual uh, and tunnels and all kinds of unusual things, but the fact is, is that you have access to large audience for worship and for, set, for satanic rites. Why else would he be redesigning uh, the Acropolis? <laughs> absolutely. I mean, there's absolutely zero doubt with what we know, you can't even, there's no other reason. There's no other reason. Um, Mind-blowing stuff. I'm just trying to take this all in and I've been writing some notes down while you're talking. Okay, let, me, let me read this. By the way, he's Swiss. His background is Swiss. Um, here we go. He completed um, uh, an arts museum in, uh, in France, Columbia University's Learner Hall Student Center in 1999. So that's a lot of energy there. Uh, schools of Architecture in Paris, uh, Subway Station in Lausanne, Switzerland, an 8,000 person concert hall at, in Rouen, France, the Florida International University School of Architecture in Miami. What are they teaching there? Um, University of Cincinnati's um, Athletic Center in Cincinnati, Ohio, um, a residential tower on the Lower East Side, which could sometimes a job is just a job. Um, the Acropolis Museum in Athens, an archaeological museum in France, and, um, you know, you just have to ask these questions. <laughs> You know, it's funny because I remember a long time ago, my God, so long ago, I was uh, applying for law schools and I was having a difficult time getting what any of my professors, because I was a philosophy major in, um, in college, getting them to write me a, um, a uh, recommendation for law school. They wouldn't give me one, even though I was a great student. I'm like, why are they not giving me? Well, they knew my soul and I had a good connection with the people that I was um, asking for these letters, right? And one of the locations where I was uh, offered a scholarship was Cornell. Hmm. And I didn't go for the reason that I was uh, married at the time and my husband didn't wanna leave California and I'm really glad that I stayed. But I remember looking at the school and this is a very young me who doesn't know everything I know now. <laughs> Thank God, I don't know how I would have survived all these years. And I remember looking at the school, like literally just taking it, you, because you're, you, you're a kid, you want to look at what it looks like, right? You want to see what the campus looks like. You want to see what the buildings look like. And I just remember getting the darkest feeling from some of the structures. And of course, like, you know, Berkeley itself, I went to Berkeley, you see, now you see Soros, um, you know, every school is not, uh, every school is, is part of what we're talking about at the, at the, um, on some level, not every single one, but especially these older ones. And I just remember the buildings creeped me out. Like I had this creepy feeling. You said your daughter is attending Cornell, correct? 
Yes, she's in the engineering school. So she, I don't think she's taken any classes outside of engineering. It's a very tough major. I mean, right. she took wines. So she's not in the general population. Right. It's kind of like when you're in law school, you're only going to, you know, the law school on the campus. You're not going anywhere else. And I don't remember what building it was. It wasn't necessarily the law, the law building, but there's been times where I've been walking through other campuses as well. And I always ask myself, like, what is going on? Because it just, you know, energy doesn't lie. And there's been several times where I, I've been walking through even my own campus. I remember as, as a young girl, and I just felt like there was something really creepy down below. Um, you know, Berkeley's also the, uh, they have the Lawrence Labs there, the Lawrence Livermore Labs, where you guys can look that up as listeners because I don't want to divert into this, but there's a lot of activity that goes on there that has to do with the dark forces of what we're learning about today. So of course, these, these buildings and institutions, and I think that's why POTUS says a lot, and especially in the last speech that he gave, which was, can you help me out, Montana? I forget where he spoke yesterday. Oh, CPAC. He's been speaking so much, I can't keep up. Um, he was talking about our education systems. And I thought about you because we discussed this. Uh, you mentioned that you were researching this stuff and we were going to be talking about it today. So I think they're going to need to, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, what do you think is going to happen to all these places where all this dark stuff is going on? Well, as we were discussing before you hit record, there is going to be a huge cull of the population because um, first of all, we have huge inbound energies. And second of all, uh, of a certain percentage of the population has been compromised medically. Okay. Yes. So I think that a lot of them are going to have what we now call <laughs> um, adult, they're just going to drop dead. Okay, or they're in various stages of that. And that's going to take time. So I think that we're going to have a lot of empty buildings. I mean, you see empty malls and empty retail everywhere. There just simply isn't going to be the number of students, you know, available to populate these schools. I think we're going to have to retrofit a large number of them. I agree. I think um, we're going to see that, the retrofitting. I think you're absolutely right. Hang on. I'm sure. sorry. No, it's okay. That's my daughter calling. All right, so we just took a little break, making sure this is recording, and now we're back. I'm back. Montana, this is blowing my mind. Okay, so let's 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 just recap for everybody here. So we have an architect who is like an amazing architect, this stuff is interesting, but remember that architects design the interiors of buildings. Think tunnels, closets, sound mm -hmm. rooms. This particular, um, this particular architect seems to focus on arenas and on, uh, um, I wanna say performance spaces, which all have, of course, a lot of soundproof material uh, a lot of very interesting possibilities. Um, they're also, I'm just going with it here, it's very possible to build extra things in these buildings, uh, ways to harness energy. If he's building arenas, you've got what, 6,000 people seated in that arena? What kind of energy can you harness? Where, where are the black cubes located? They can be in closets. They can be hidden somewhere. They can be underneath the building. There's a lot of really interesting avenues to explore here. And if law enforcement is listening to this, I would suggest checking this architect and checking out these buildings, because I think you're going to find some surprises. Rolling back for just a minute, how many universities have built new facilities in the past 10, 15, 20 years? Where's the money coming from? Well, I, I did discuss the, the locations that this guy has been working at. Where's the money coming from, from these buildings, for these buildings? Let's go back to Rensselaer, because I really love that school. They were very good to my son. 
Let's talk about what they're doing. I'm going to read here about the Rensselaer announcing the Institute for Data, Artificial Intelligence, and Computing. This is a brand new institute. Um, for those who don't know, Rensselaer is partnered with a Shanghai Institute. Um, and what they do is they have, they're a uh, knowledge center and research center for virtual reality. They actually have courses for the students to take on, on virtual reality, and they are exploring its uses, and they have special rooms at Rensselaer where they can do programming and see how it works on people. Super interesting, right? Think carefully who is funding this school. And yes, it occurred to me who really paid for my son's education, but I throw my hands up. I'm a single mom. It, it is what it is. And I realized this after the deed was done. What are you going to do? Well, it's impossible to, I mean, look, it, it's been every which way you turn, you turn to the right, you turn to the left. We were infiltrated. So there's nothing, nothing that wasn't infiltrated, nothing that wasn't touched by this. Mm -hmm. So for those who are listening, if you went to college and you went to an engineering school or a big university, I would start checking the school and see if you have lot if if that school has lots of new buildings. Ask the questions: Who's funding it? What what type of buildings are they? And if you have a student at those build at those uh, universities, ask the same questions because somebody is paying for all these new buildings. And it's not necessarily being done by the school or by bonding, you know, by bond issuance. It's an uncomfortable truth. A lot of these are indeed uncomfortable truths, but unfortunately, um, the more I'm thinking about everything you're saying is, uh, I'm just thinking back to my school, Montana, while you're talking and all these different things are coming to my mind. and. I, it has to be, you know, it has to have some, there's no way because we already know the, the Masonic or the free Masonic um, origins to the education system. That's a whole other topic. So of course they're going to build structures and um, to serve their dark agendas. Yeah, really uncomfortable truth, isn't it? So that's what I have for you today. And there's uh I mean, I don't know if there's another layer. <laughs> I think people need to scratch their heads and go out and see what's in their community. What, what's really going on? What new buildings are being built? Who's funding them? What are they doing in them? Who's the architect? That architect has a lot of powers to what goes in the building. What's it being used for? I'll tell you the truth. I know that there are the university in my town here has just built another athletic facility. How many athletic facilities do they need? What's in these facilities? I'm thinking about all these weird structures too, like um, like at Berkeley, they have this tower. And I, you know, I'm not somebody who's been frequenting who goes to every campus. I, I'm not a, I'm not a school, um, I'm not on a, any kind of a school job or never have been, but I don't know, maybe you could help me out here. We have a we had a huge tower called the Campanelli, right? And it's like this tower in the middle of the school. And I'm now I'm thinking, what the heck was that thing for? Like why it was like this. I'll put I'll post a picture of this because it's hard to talk about this stuff. And again, um, there will be an article uh, for the listeners out there that detail some of the things we've gone over today. And also if you haven't checked out museums or mausoleums, oh my God, um, check that out too, because I think that's a good precursor article and entryway into what we're talking about today. But there's this tower at UC Berkeley and a lot of people, you know, maybe I'll just look it up while we're talking here. Um, a lot of people visit this tower like every year. And um, I never saw I never saw the reason for it. Like I, we were all like, why is this thing here? You know, as a student, you just kind of pass by it every day. I think they're siphoning the energy off these young people. It has to be because younger people, as we've learned in this movement, um, it's, I guess it's called Sather Tower, but we call it the Campanelli, the clock tower. 
Um, young, you know, as we've learned, it's all about the kids saving the children. And of course, now you've got a bunch of college students that are tons of energy. I remember how much energy I had in college. Um, this is interesting because check this out. You want to hear this? It goes straight with what you're saying. First of all, we have something called the Greek theater at Berkeley. Okay. It's like the open air theater, the Greek theater, where there's like concerts and so forth and other things happen, events. Sather Tower is a bell tower with clocks on its four faces. Cornell <laughs> has one too. Oh, really? And check this out. Um, it's more commonly known as what I just said, the Campanelli for its resemblance to the Campanelli di San Marco in Venice. Gothic revival architecture, architect John Galen Howard. So when you look up John Galen Howard, um, he, I'm just doing this right now. Uh, John Galen Howard was an American architect and educator who began his career in New York before moving to California. He was the principal architect at several firms in both states. Guess who he was employed by? Julia Morgan, early in her architectural career. Now we know the Julia Morgan, I lived in the Julia Morgan building in Berkeley, um, had to do with Hertz Castle. And, oh my God, I mean, this is just, and then, I, you know what? You just opened up a whole, <laughs> a rabbit hole that's never gonna end. We could go on and on about this. So I'm making notes, Montana, because Hertz Castle out here in California, I don't know if people have ever visited it, but my parents took me to this thing when I was younger and I just wanted to scream and run away. It was probably as bad as, what's that? What's the... Uh, Cooper's mom, Vanderbilt. It was as bad as like the Vanderbilt estate. And I've never been to the Vanderbilt estate, but you know, we've seen pictures of the pool. It looks just like it. And now I'm reading about how this guy who designed the Campanelli that I just started thinking about when you're talking has to do with the design of Hearst Castle, Julia Morgan um, buildings and all sorts of other Hearst uh, Oh my goodness, they're calling it the Greek Hearst, Hearst Greek Theater. So I don't know. I think this is all uh, the Freemasons. I think you're right about the, um, this guy actually built the electric tower, which was the centerpiece of the 1901 Pan American Exposition. And mm -hmm. I think follow the architects, you're right, because it's kind of like follow the chefs. You know, when you follow these chefs like Bourdain and... Um, there's a bunch of them, Antonio, something, I forget their names in Hollywood. I know a lot of them had to do with the spirit cooking. And, you know, these are terrible topics, but they're very real. And like you mentioned at the beginning, I don't know if you said it before we jumped on or afterwards, people need to know. People need to know about this stuff. Well, <laughs> I hate to really upset you or the audience, but let's go one more step. Let's go there. Let's do it. I happen to love libraries. Oh, no. At, when I was at, I went to Wesleyan University in Connecticut, and I used to love hanging out at the Olin Library. That's O-L-I-N. And you know what's funny? We also had a building there that was built by the Uris family, U-R-I-S. And you know what? I found out that those families or those people donated libraries to almost every large university huh. there are two of them an olin library and a urus library at cornell audience is there an olin or a urus building at your university or your child's university what's in those libraries again like we discussed about the architects is there a room siphoning that energy? Why would some family give money to every single, or let's say a hundred universities? Why would they do it? The Olin and Uris libraries. Wow, you should see some of these things. I'm looking at one of these. I can't even, I can't. Uh, there's one Olin library and there's a picture of like this space vortex above the kids that are sitting. We're going to need to put up a bunch of pictures of all this stuff. We're going to need to maybe talk about this again at a deeper level. 
because this is this is mind blowing. What what happens when you put a specific type of building with a couple of rooms? We know that they're in these libraries, in these in these buildings. We've just discussed it for an hour. So we know that something's going on. This is in every I'm I'm not going to say every school. It's in a lot of them. How many how many universities have these libraries? I'm Look, sure in many. Student Portland, the, the even the public schools, nobody gives away this kind of money without some sort of string attached or something in in the building. It has to be. I mean, I'm looking at it. it there's one at Cornell. There's one in Florida. There's one in St. Louis. Olin. Uh, there's one in Washington. I mean, it's just endless. So yeah, what are they, why are they building all these? There's not a why, of course, like, let's say I love libraries, but now I'm looking at the families who just keep going and keep looking at these people. It's not normal. And there's something very dark going on here in Montana. Yes. What kind of books are on the shelf of those libraries? I, I, I'm going to dig a little bit and 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 see, you know, there's got to be something in those buildings or several things in those buildings. Okay. I think they're siphoning the energy off the kids. And there could be a lot of black magic books, even if they're on the shelf in those libraries. I don't know, but it's very unusual. I mean, these buildings, even if it was years ago, I mean, these buildings are hundreds of millions of dollars to build today. Hundreds of millions. How many of these libraries are there? And you know what's so funny is? Hang on, hang on. Audience, if you know of one, we can't possibly research all of these. Drop a note to Delar. If, if you know of an Olin or a Uris, that's O-L-I-N, or a U-R-I-S library at a university that you know of, let's get, let's, let's do a little research here with the group. By the way, John M. Olin, deeply entrenched in the law schools too, not just the libraries. And exactly. we know all about the law schools. Oh my God, I went to one and I, I went to a Jesuit law school. Oh my God, were they something else? After Berkeley, that was like the biggest shock ever, but everything's related. And, um, you know, it's, it's infestation. I call it in, not infiltration, but infestation instead of invasion. And, you By know, the way, these libraries are like a hundred years old. They're not built yesterday. Oh no, exactly. Like the one at Berkeley is very, very old. Um, Doe Library was one of my favorites. I loved being in there because it was peaceful. But let me tell you that uh, there was levels that went downstairs below the ground. And in fact, while I was there, they were constructing, uh, this is years ago and they, they've been working on it ever since. Can you imagine they've been working on it ever since? There's always some construction going on. What's going on? They've connected the libraries underground. Yes. Yes. Why? And what's below that level that the students get to walk on? So gross. Well, yep. I guess I have my work cut out for next time, but that's interesting, huh? Very. Well, do you have anything more to add this time or should we? Uh... <laughs> well, I do have some follow-up from our previous discussions. Please, go I, ahead. Okay, I was visiting my friend. Um, uh, I, I, I was visiting a friend who I had shared the mausoleum episode. I'm sorry, I shared mausoleum and the diamonds one with him. And he said to me, he said, hey, Montana, he said, I have something interesting to share with you. Now this is in uh, central New York. He said, you know, it's funny after listening to that diamonds episode, he said, I was remembering my mother's funeral in Rochester, New York. I'm like, oh, he said, yeah. He said, you know, at the funeral home, they offered to make a, stone out of her ashes oh my god I'm like really I said what's the name of the funeral home so I called them and I got the name of the company that you can send the ashes away to to get mom or dad made into a pendant so I thought that was fun and I said you know that's interesting because I was at Sam's club you know how we all go and I don't know buy whatever you know big packages of soap or toilet paper or whatever and for once I actually buzzed by the jewelry counter and I was shocked to see that they had 
these stones there, they had blue stones and purple stones that they're marketing as amethyst and aquamarine. Now, I've told the audience that I've spent time on 47th Street buying my pearls because I like pearls and it's what I could afford. But I've seen real stones. These are not real stones. So you have these amethysts, which are about the size of, I'm going to say a quarter, in a setting that looks like a snake setting. That's the style of <laughs> the chain that it's on. It was selling for $250, um, each one of these. They look identical. So you have these in Costco and Sam's Club. These are not glass and they're not real stones. So if you haven't listened to that episode, crank it up because this is coming to Costco near you. How many Costco's and Sam's Clubs are there and TJ Maxx's all selling inexpensive jewelry and sterling silver? What do you think it is, right? How do you dispose of a body? Exactly. Wow. Just wow. You know... <laughs> It makes you just not want to leave your house. It really does. It makes you not want to look at that display. It just makes you want to just, you know, sometimes I wonder, but of course I don't. You know, I, I do have compassion for the cognitive dis crowd out there, which is the masses. This stuff is so hard for them. I mean, look how far down the rabbit hole we've come to be able to actually discuss this and bring it to the listeners. And thank you for your observations, Montana Sky, because... These are things we're all faced with daily when we're just walking around doing our normal things and it's all over the place. And, uh, you know, I was aware of the funeral homes, uh, doing the, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. Turning mom and dad. They call it, they call it, um, like funeral, funeral jewelry, funeral <laughs> jewelry. And, you know, yeah. look, maybe some people maybe some people like to partake in that. Maybe some people, I mean, they've, they've actually, I think I was talking to somebody at a veterinarian clinic. Cause I know a lot of really good vets just having had a lot of animals, but um, they're doing this with pets now too. Just FYI. Yes. People are opting to put their, you know, and you know, look, I know about, and I've never done this, but I know people like to carry a little bit of their pet's ashes, perhaps in like an ash pendant or something like that. And I, I have nothing against this. And truly, I have nothing against if somebody wants to turn a loved one into a pendant or something like that. I, because the spirit and the body, I, I believe that's just so such a separate thing. I mean, we are stuck in this like, you know, meat suit here, uh, dealing with life, you know, we incarnate into this world, and we're made of Almighty Father, God, we're made in his image of, of, of a spirit. But the question becomes, where is all this other jewelry coming from? Okay, that's where I want to really point out to the audience. So that I don't want them to think, okay, you know, I'm, I'm whatever people want to do, they do. But where, ask yourselves what you just described to us at Sam's Club, when you see those Costco roadshows, when you see jewelry being sold at a discount at TJ Maxx, Ross, Marshalls, wherever. Where did they get it from? So yeah, do visit the, uh, what about those diamonds? It is available also on Rumble. I posted it. I think I also posted it, it on my blog, but Montana, they're messing with the audio levels and volumes everywhere. Um, and it's random because then they can't, um, well, I don't want to go into a talk about censorship here, but I do want people to understand if it sounds sped up or slowed down, try it again the next day, go to a different platform, and just give it a break, you know, maybe put it on your list to listen to tomorrow or the next day, because it seems to be uh, traveling. The censorship is not all across the board all the time, because then it would be really obvious and draw more attention to the podcast, which is not what they want. So, having said that, that's my disclaimer again. All kinds of fun. So I hope I hope I've opened somebody's eyes here. It's not, not necessarily fun, but we need to see. We need to see because we are the truth tellers, each one of us in our own circle. 
You've got to take this information that Delara provides uh, for each one of us, me included. I listened to some of these podcasts twice. They're really good. Um, but we, in our own circle, we're the truth teller. We have to open people's eyes. And the reason I'm bringing up some of the topics I bring up is because most of us have a Sam's or a Costco or a TJ Maxx or something near us. Go have a look at what they're selling. And I haven't even gotten into the perfume display, which is above oh, no. the uh, perfume with names like poison and what's in this stuff. I mean, you have to wonder about it. It's expensive. And what is really in perfume? Oh, what? No. Putting on. Oh, no. Well, I, I think we have a bunch of other topics where you heard it here. First. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Sorry. I, I can't walk any, I'm telling you, as soon as I walk into a store or anything, everything I'm looking at from food to perfume, I'm like, oh my God, wait till we really find from the cement that we're driving on. Okay. We have a lot of topics to go over. So we'll see you next week. Uh, actually, next week, I'm traveling to Orange County, California. Oh. But yeah, uh, I'm visiting my daughter before she, my daughter works for an EV company. I know we've been all wondering about what's happening with those electric vehicles. They, uh, they're doing a layoff there. Uh, so. oh boy. Wait till the power outage comes. I know, right? <laughs> but anyway, so I'm going to see her before her summer internship is over. So we can, uh, we'll catch up really soon. How's that? You got it. Look forward to talking with you again. And I'm sure our audience does too. And thank you for everybody who writes and telling me how much they love these conversations with Montana Sky, because I do too. So thank you, Montana Sky. It's my pleasure. And I love speaking with you as well. I love your work. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you as well. Well, thank you again, Montana Sky, for being here on A Fistful of Truth. On tonight's You Heard It Here First. And indeed, you heard that all here first because that's the first time I've really uh, went that far down deep into the rabbit holes of our educational system. We know already that there's issues everywhere. The entire infrastructure is, again, I call it infestation instead of invasion. Definite infestation going on. However... There's a lot more to this than meets the eye as uh, Montana Sky was talking about the libraries. I'm thinking about the art museums on campuses as well. And there's so much more, so much more that we could go into. I mean, my gosh, we, we were talking when we stopped the recording about other things we could talk about. And it was, we literally just had to uh, <laughs> continue on with this podcast because it's just endless. This stuff is endless. So you can expect to hear more from Montana Sky coming up. Uh, in the next few weeks, I think we might be taking a break to do uh, the series with Snackin' On coming up this coming Friday. But in the meantime, you can look forward to more coming up with uh, Montana Sky on You Heard It Here First. So thank you again, Montana Sky. Also, kindly do copy and paste the link to this podcast. There will be, hopefully soon, a uh, accompanying blog post to this particular episode. I don't always do it because I don't always have time, but you can expect one coming up in the near future. So do check out deliraessengill.blog as well. All right. So stay tuned uh, for more great programming here coming up on A Fistful of Truth. I don't even like to call it programming. Just stay tuned for more for A Fistful of Truth. How's that? God bless you, patriots. Thank you for tuning in. Where we go one, we go all.